Hale? Hey! So what happened with Kramer's mother? Oh, it's all worked out. Uh, Nina and I are gonna have dinner Thursday at the restaurant where Babs works. What's she like? Oh, she's a Kramer. <laughs> and uh, while I was there, I uh, happened to pick up another juicy little nugget about our friend. Oh, I'm yeah. ready. What? Come on, what is it? I uh, got the first name. What? You found out Kramer's first name? That's right. You ready? Yes, yes, I'm ready. I've been trying to get it out of him for ten years. What is it? What? Cosmo. Cosmo? Cosmo. Cosmo? That's why I wouldn't tell anybody, but I've been thinking about it. All this time, I'm trying not to be me. I'm afraid to face who I was, but I'm Cosmo, Jerry. I'm Cosmo Kramer, and that's who I'm going to be. From now on, I'm Cosmo. Cosmo Kramer, what a name. I think I could have beat that one, though. Um, last time I told you my dad's a musician. He was all set to name me Wolfgang Amadeus Perry. Gosh, could you think of how much fun my friends could have had with me through high school and middle school? I definitely would have hid from that name, I'll tell you that. Names are not the only thing we hide about ourselves, is it? I mean, I wish it was that simple, but there are other things, insecurity and feelings that we experience that we push down inside of us. And I mean, we spend so much energy sometimes pushing them down. It's like that game that we play with whack-a-mole. The thing comes up, and then we whack it back down. But a lot of times, we let that little thing, the next time it pops up, it appears bigger, right? We pop it back down, and then it gets even bigger. And we really start to fear that thing coming back up again. And that's not a problem until we let it start to control our lives and let it influence who we are and who we think that we are, and we start to do life differently. Last week, we started a series called A Bout with Doubt. And Donnie started last week with spiritual doubt and how that can look different for all of us. He also challenged us to go running toward God with our doubts. And we looked at Thomas, who was hanging around with Jesus. He had a problem with doubt, and he faced it. He went to Jesus, and he said, Before I believe that you're the one that died on that cross, I need some proof. Now, Jesus didn't say, Dude, how many times do I got to tell you? If you haven't gotten it yet, no. He didn't say that at all. On that day, Jesus helped Thomas with his doubt. And so what we heard last week holds true for this week. We need to run to God with our self-doubt. And that's what we're going to look at this week is doubting ourselves. What does that look like? 
How does that influence what we do? And what can we do about it? So you can't check out on me. The fact that I said the same holds true. There's lots of other stuff that we're going to go through today that we all need to hear. And what you'll find is when you start to look at what God thinks of you, you'll be surprised. In the Bible, it's littered with his thoughts about you and how just important you are. Knowing what God thinks about us is absolutely vital to our lives. It's important because we have this little quirk about us where sometimes what we perceive to be true influences our response, which can influence the outcome. Now, you could say it a different way. What we think affects how we act, which could affect the outcome. Now, I want to stop right here and be perfectly clear on something. This is not going to be a new age, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps kind of talk. Not at all. What you'll see as we go through it, it's all about putting Jesus Christ in the center of your life and living confidently and obediently in that fact. Now, God knew that we struggled with these funky thoughts about ourselves. And so in Romans 12, 2, you, you see Paul saying, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. What God is doing here is challenging us to be real intentional and careful and active in what goes through our mind. Pass it through his filter, through the lens that he sees us in, instead of the way we may see ourselves. Because we can have some strange misconceptions about ourselves. And that's what I want to do today. I want to help look at some of these misconceptions that may cause us to struggle sometimes. And I want to make us aware of how it influences what we do. And then I want to turn to the Bible for some transformational messages that deal at the heart of each one of these things. Self-doubt can limit your potential to be all that you can be for God. And helping us get our perspective on God and the way he thinks about us will help embark us on a life that is done differently, a life that is much more healthier and a lot more constructive. Now, some of you are saying, well, you know, hey, I'm a Christian. I don't have any problems with doubt. Now, either I'm the only one or you're lying. (laughs) Um, My wife does call me high maintenance, so I could be the only one. But seriously, if we were to be honest with each other, I think we all can battle with doubts at different times of our lives. So let's take a look at what this thing is. The dictionary tells us that self-doubt is to have a lack of confidence in or to think that something's unlikely or to be afraid of or apprehensive about. And you know that self-doubt has a, a huge element called fear. That's a big part of what doubt is. And you know, the weird thing about self-doubt is none of us go blurting this out, right? Have you ever been in the mall and you're with somebody and they, 
Rob, I am so insecure about myself. Man, I wish that, that you would like me. No. We never, we don't open up the door and say, hey, here's what's going on inside. We don't do that because what will people think? What will they think of me? Will they use my weakness against me? Some, some people will. But that doesn't mean that we can just throw up our hands and say, oh, well, why even try? The fact is, we can hide a lot inside here, but it's, we can't hide it from those around us. They just see it a different way. Have you ever been around somebody, or perhaps you've, you've seen this yourself, who has many, many goals, they can't relax, they're extremely efficient, they don't like criticism, they might be a little bit controlling. Now, stop nudging your partner there. Because sometimes we might just have to nudge ourselves a little bit because we may be experiencing some of these. Now, the traits themselves are fine. These are good qualities. But when we put these things above everything else and make them the highest priority such that other things pay the price, like family and friends and a relationship with God, then that's when it becomes a problem. Now, what's said and what you see, when you sense it, it's different than what's going on in the self-doubter. It's very different than what's going on inside of them. I just hate new things. I like to be able to understand how to do things, especially in front of people. I don't want to look like I don't know anything. And I feel bad when I get bitey or angry at people. But it's the only way that I know how to get them to back off so I can learn in private and start to master these things myself. And that's what I want to get to quickly so that I can start to feel good about myself. Those are some of the things that are going on inside the self-doubter. Now, Robert McGee wrote a book called The Search for Significance, which a lot of these points are taken from this morning. And he says that this is driven from a fear of failing. Somehow, we start to believe this faulty notion that I must meet certain standards in order to feel good about myself. And if you start to believe this lie, then it will directly influence your thinking and your actions. It can result in you being a perfectionist at whatever cost. Even if it means that you're going to get angry and resent those around you because they start to get in your way of being successful at something. It can limit your creativity, what's there, the potential within, within you. And it can flat out just suck the joy right out of life. Because you're always focusing on trying to position yourself such that you're going to win. You're not going to fail. And if you're ever in a position where that may not happen, then watch out inside or watch out for those around you. And if you take it out on others, then God's command that says love thy neighbor 
starts to get you a little ticked off because you're having troubles doing that. And sometimes we can tend to take that and want to feel better about it and we'll turn it around and we'll blame something or somebody else. And that's a whole different topic. Let's just look at ourselves. If you start to doubt yourself and you remove yourself from situations, is that a way to be all you can be for God? No. It limits your achievement. It limits your satisfaction in what you do day in and day out. And it can limit your fulfillment in life. So what's the answer? You need to think highly of yourself. Now, I know some of you may be saying, whoa, did he just say I need to think highly about myself? Doesn't that have something to do with pride? Doesn't the Bible say don't do that? Well, let's look. In Romans 12, 3, Paul says, do not think of yourself more than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. He does not say, think less highly of yourself. No. We are to think that we have value and worth to God. If we don't, if we negate ourselves and we put ourselves down constantly, that's in stark contrast to what God tells us in the Bible about what he thinks about us. Psalm 139, verse 13 says, For you created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Indeed, the very hairs on your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. He knew you before anybody put that sign in the ground that said, it's a boy, it's a girl. Or he knows you now. He knows everything that's going on, and he knows where he wants you to be. Now, even if you were a superhuman and you could nail every task that somebody threw at you and you did it with perfection, there would still be something inside you that makes you want to do that over and over again. And in computer programming language, we call that an infinite loop condition. Nothing is going to get you out of that. Listen to what Paul says in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And it's not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Nobody could ever meet or attain the standard that God would set. Only his son, Jesus Christ, can do that. And God knew that, and he sent him to die on that cross to justify us before him. What we need to do is to reach out and accept that gift of Jesus Christ. That's it. Done. We don't have to anymore try to approve and meet some standard over and over again. We can do things, absolutely, but we do them not to get approval, but we do them just out of the love of what God has done in our life. In Christ, and you need to know this, you are fully pleasing to God. And when you let this soak in and you live like it's true, then you will experience an increasing freedom from fear of failure. And you will see an increase in the desire to seek different things. 
like godly things. Now, some of us may not struggle in the area of our performance. Fine, if I fail, who cares? That's good. But some of us may be struggling with wanting to belong and always trying to make somebody like us. And what this may look like to those around us is somebody who's extremely active in groups, wanting to join this group and that group, every group known to man. Or somebody who's very sensitive about their appearance. So watch out what you say. Or somebody that's always talking down on themselves. And they may want to always try to mold themselves to whoever's around them. But once again, to the one that is struggling, it's much different what's going on in here. I'm so tired of feeling lonely. I always feel this way. It seems like this is just where I'm to sit. I want people to like me. And I feel bad and disgusted about the things that I do just to make people like me. But it seems to work. Only until I think they're going to figure me out. And then I'll put the brakes on it myself. Why should they find it out? I'll just take care of it and be done with it. If I only knew what motivated them and I could understand their mind, then I would know and I could do things and I could be accepted by them and start to feel better about myself. Again, just some of the things that may be going on with somebody that is struggling with this. Our deepest desire to belong, and we all have it, it can start to control us And we can believe the lie that says, I must be approved by every one of you before I can start to feel good about myself. And so when I value your opinion so much, and you say something just a little bit off that I'm, I don't know, what did that mean to me? Then it hurts. And what do I do with that? I may become angry, or I may let you manipulate me to do things that I normally wouldn't do. Are you struggling with always trying to be accepted? Perhaps you can relate to what James is saying here in James 1.6. He says, Because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. Do you know what that feels like? One minute you're up because you had a good moment. People gave you the pat on the back. But you're only as good until somebody says something or you catch wind of a comment that wasn't so good, and now you're back down. It's a cycle that gets tiring, very tiring. And there's no way that we can experience life the way we are intended to with this kind of mindset. I mean, wouldn't you be elated if there was one person that you just did not have to always seek their approval of? Somebody you didn't have to worry about who you were, at that moment versus who you're going to be the next moment. Somebody that when other people see you, they go, something's changed. I don't know what it is, but they're different than that quality that I used to see. Jesus is that very one that you don't have to keep impressing. Have you asked him into your life? The Bible says that when we do that, You go from being alienated from God, which is 
a form of rejection, to being forever reconciled with God. Now, even Christians, we can know that and we can struggle with the truth of that very thing. But we're challenged by verses like Galatians 1.10. Am I now trying to win the approval of men or of God? Or am I trying to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Jesus Christ. This is a call to us to concentrate on living an obedient Christ-centered life. If people dislike you and you've done everything you can to bring peace to the situation, then go to God and say, it's not going to happen, Lord. They're going to forever dislike me. I don't like the way that feels inside. Help me with that pain. And trust me, he has a way. He may not remove that rejection from the person, but he has a way of melting how you feel inside because of that very fact. The final area that I want to look at in self-doubt is a sense of hopelessness with ourselves. I mean, sometimes this surfaces in words like, I just can't help myself. It's the way I've always been. Don't you get it? Or I can't learn something new. Listen, all right? I've just I've been around for a while. Forget the newness. It's just who I am. I am what I am, okay? I've heard some of these. I've said some of these myself. And again, what's going on underneath is something that's completely different. Look at me. I am certainly nothing to look at. And I'm disgusted with who I am, where I've been. Some of it I can forget because the people allowed me to. But some of the stuff, there's no way. I had an opportunity maybe to feel better, but that time, that time's gone. And I, I'm just going to have to suck it up and live this way because my time to get past those things is gone. What this can cause us to do is live a very passive life. Oh, yes, we'll look like things are going on. We'll keep busy doing some things. But we do that only to get out of the experiences and the relationships that we could be involved with. And what does that do? That just feeds the cycle. Now I'm feeling even more lonely than I did the time I walked in the door. Listen to what the Bible says about shame and guilt. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, Therefore, if anyone were in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Dr. Paul Tournier once compared life to a man hanging from a trapeze. The trapeze bar was his way, his life, his existence. He knew all about that. That was his safety zone. And then one day, God threw in another trapeze. And this was very perplexing to the man. Should he relinquish his past? Should he reach for this new bar? The moment of truth came when that person realized that in order to grab that new bar, he had to release and let go of the old one. Are you and I still hanging on to that old bar and it's prohibiting us from living as if we're holding the new bar. When you grab a hold of that new bar, which is life in Jesus Christ, you need to know that all of what you've done 
the past, the present, and the future is forgotten. The Bible says it this way in Psalm 103. As far as the east is from the west, so he removes the guilt of our rebellious actions from ourselves. Grab a hold of that new bar and don't even look back. Paul says it this way in Philippians 3.13. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. Ask Christ to help you let go of that old bar and to begin life doing something different. To, be, to begin life, to approach the, who you are and say, Lord, I am not perfect, and I know that. And I have all of these things going on, and I know that my walk with you, if I go with you and I keep my eyes on you, I may have some pains, I may have this or that, but at least I can do life with you and do it in a much healthier and more constructive way. Help me. That's where we need to go. And it's kind of hard to understand. But in the Bible, it says the Holy Spirit will take the words of the Bible and make them real in your life. Real in the sense it will help you get that eternal perspective, that God perspective, that God filter, that lens at who he looks and how he looks at you. And when you have this eternal perspective, it will help you transform your fear from manipulation into motivation from intimidation into inspiration, and most importantly, from fear to faith. 